to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Welcome everyone to Architecting. This is Angela Mazzi and today we have a special treat. I've been putting on this program called Wellness for the Working World that has experts in different aspects of how we can use our physical bodies to ground ourselves and de-stress. Today, you're going to hear from the talk that I did with Paula Yoles, an expert at ending emotional eating. Paula is the owner of Body, Mind, Food, Freedom, and founded the End Emotional Eating with Ease Method. And I think you're really going to love what she has to say about stepping out of the exhausting struggle and shame cycle that emotional eating leads us to and embracing self-care and self-love. Paula has 20 plus years of holistic health and emotional wellness experience. And I think you're really going to enjoy what you learn here about emotional eating. If you are enjoying this, you can always sign up for my Wellness for the Working World program and be able to hear the entire 60-minute talk with Paula as well as our other four wellness experts. So let's take a listen. Welcome, Paula. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. I'm really honored to be here. What is emotional eating? Great question. So when I use the term emotional eater, I use it as an umbrella term to cover stress eating, overeating, nighttime snacking, binge eating, mindless eating. Basically, it's an umbrella term. And some people call themselves emotional eaters too. It's all those different things. And the piece that ties them all together is that when a person is eating out of stress or overwhelm, or there's some emotion that's coming up that they just don't have the space for whatever reason to deal with it in another way and to soothe it in another way. So they end up soothing it with eating. Whereas a snacky thing would be if you're truly hungry, you're eating a snack. It's being able to differentiate, like if you're mindlessly eating or overeating or you're in stress and eating. That would be emotionally. And what kind of things trigger that? You know, is it related to your stress level or a particular experience you've had in your life? It could be related to lots of different things. Definitely often has to do with things from someone's past that something happened that didn't get resolved in a way that felt good. And as a young child, we're limited in our ways that we can control our world. You know, we're kind of in our situation or whatever we're in. In homes where food was available, it was a way that you, as a child, possibly, or a young adult, you could 
access some kind of sense of control or soothing yourself in a situation where you might not have been able to make the decisions or the adults in the house didn't have space to be able to give you the attention you needed or the support you needed. And so understandably so, a lot of people end up using food as a mechanism for that. Can it be tied to our stress level? And is it kind of the canary in the coal mine for us that lets us know maybe that we're under too much stress? Yeah, Lots of people are under a lot of stress. I know architects are particularly under a lot of stress. It's a very high stress job because you have so many different things you have to do crazy hours I know that I used to be an elementary school teacher elementary school teachers have crazy hours also in a lot of ways even though it seems like they're days shorter they always bring work home and are working nights and weekends and we just went through the pandemic and that increased the whole world's stress and people are still in stress from that and a lot of people found themselves eating as a way to deal with what's going on so yeah stress is huge component it impacts so much much of in our lives. I mean, it's just researched up and down and all around how much stress impacts us. So finding ways to deal with one's stress is definitely one component of being able to make peace with your body and with food and your emotions, lowering your stress in any way you can. But the other piece is also getting to the root causes. And that's a big part of what I do with the women I work with is we really get to the root causes of where that pattern of using food started somewhere in your past and continued into your present. And then things could get layered on in the present around it also. So you can do all the actions. You could be on all the different diets and all the latest fads. And you can make sure you're exercising. And and I really just call it like the diet mentality, where it's like you're on the diet or you're off the diet. You're exercising or you're not exercising. You're eating healthier or you're not eating healthier. It's just like all or nothing, all or nothing. That kind of in that mentality, we get stuck in that. And those are really about actions. That's like kind of the action part. Okay, I'm going to make myself exercise. I think exercise is a good thing. But there's this sort of like pressure of like, I'm going to do this action. I'm going to make sure I start my day with having a smoothie or I'm going to start my day with oatmeal or whatever it is. Those are actions. Those though will only get us so far. We're successful for a while and then we tend to fall off. Emotional leaders fall off of doing that because they haven't ever repatterned their brain. Their brain is stuck in the old patterns. The neurological pathways haven't been retrained to release what was going on in the past and then welcome in new thinking attached to one's existence. Once that happens, and you're taking the actions at the same time, it blows better. So that was my own personal journey. I had tried various ways of eating. Grew up in a family actually that ate relatively healthy for the standard American or Canadian diet. I really knew I had a good sense of what healthy eating was. I was definitely a sugar addict. Uh, I'm on the other side of that. I still enjoy eating like chocolate and things, but I'm 
more conscious around it and I eat healthier brands. I just did all those things and I did the diet things and the exercise thing and it just would keep looping around and around. I'd weigh myself on the scale, I'd get on the scale, I'd beat myself up emotionally. It's a typical thing. And then I just got to a place where I wasn't feeling good physically. There was more weight on my body. People are listening on the podcast, they can't see my body now, but I weighed about 40 more pounds than I do now. So when people see me now, they often ask me, they're like, well, did you used to weigh more? I'm like, yes, I weighed about 40 pounds more. And I'm short. So for my body, that is a you know good amount of weight. I just hit sort of emotional rock bottom. I wasn't feeling good emotionally. I was like stressed from working. I was stressed in my relationships and I was just putting one foot in front of the other, but I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I was sort of in denial to myself. I was just trying to make it through my days. I didn't think anybody knew. And then at one point, one of my really good friends were out on a walk and she said to me, she said, you know, I'm really worried about you. You seem really unhappy and, you know, you've put on weight and she wasn't judging me about it, but she was just lovingly being concerned. And she said, I know you're having health problems because I didn't cover that up. And it was because of like my digestion was all messed up from the stress and the overeating. And I was eating a lot of ice cream back then and my body doesn't do well with dairy. And I just at that point, I was like, hmm, I have to make a decision here. I can just tell her I'm fine. She's wrong. Just keep going on and pretending and say fine. Like, you know, people ask you like, hey, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> and I decide I'm going to tell her I'm going to be honest. And it was scary. I was scared. And I told her and I, that was the moment that was like, one of the pivotal moments where I decide I'm going to tell her and be honest and I want to make a change. And I didn't know how that was going to happen or where it was going to happen. So here's the other magical part that happened. So that happened. And then a few weeks later, a different friend said, hey, I'm in this course. And she said, I need a practice client. Will you come? I was like, sure, I'll try it. You know, because I was like, I'm trying to make a change. And I went and the coach of that program blown away by what he knew and what he, and I signed up. That's it. I signed up for the two years healers program and began the transformation. He held the space and the container so that I could do the emotional work to get to the root cause. And he gave me suggestions on certain things to shift. That's when I realized dairy doesn't work for my body. And those two things, once I shifted through that, the weight just peeled off. I didn't have to try anymore. It just came off because I was doing the inner work. So I got to a place where I was happier. I was thriving and my stress level was down. I love how you took your own experience and then said, how can I help others? Because I see that it isn't about your diet or your exercise, that it really is about these root cause issues. Tell us about your journey to becoming a coach and what motivates you to keep doing this work. That transition happened where I went to the healers program and had my transformation when I was elementary school teaching and colleagues and parents, they were around me when I was going through this transformation and they would just come up to me and they'd be like, what are you doing? You're, you lost so much weight. What are you doing? They expected me to say, oh, I went on this diet. And I was like, well, I'm doing huge, deep inner work and working on my emotions. 
and making small changes to the way I'm eating. And then people started seeing me as a resource and family and friends and colleagues were asking me questions to help them around their emotions and eating and food, wellness. And at a certain point, like the seed just got plopped into my head. Hmm. Maybe this is something, you know, I'm really passionate. I love it and I'd love to, you know, help other people. And I know how to teach because I have already been teaching elementary school and, you know, it's just adults instead of children. And so that's it. That sort of launched me into starting my business because that is my my passion. I still love children, but I'm not working with them currently. But my other passion always has been health and wellness and food. And then the motion part came in once I realized that that was the missing puzzle piece. And we know this, right? There's all kinds of research now about how much of our nervous system is connected to our guts. So can you talk a little bit about how emotional eating like cause digestion problems or nutrition problems, but how is that maybe creating a vicious cycle where the eating suppresses certain hormones and the hormones are already triggering the eating? Yeah, it is a cycle for sure because our fuel is food. And so what we put in our bodies and like you said, like the research is showing what we put in our body affects our digestion and our there's, you know, they're calling the digestive system the second brain. Unfortunately, a lot of the foods that we have are not the healthiest anymore. They're just not available, you know, and our society, and this is the other thing, like, right, for architects, like you're so busy, you're grabbing stuff, you're grabbing prepackaged stuff. And I would say, you know, a lot of modern world families or single people, we're just too busy. It's not set up well anymore for us. And so we're grabbing packaged stuff that tends to have preservatives in it, and lots of sugar and things that really knock off the balance of the digestive system. And so then brain's not as sparkly as it could be. <laughs> and, you know, it's just not functioning at top. Then you could get stressed because you can't think as clear. And the big thing is, is like, I really believe everybody's body's indifferent and somebody might be able to eat one thing that somebody else can't eat. And there are just certain things that are just known that really are not great for anybody's body. Chemicals that are being added in are not great for anybody's body. Refined sugar, white sugar, it's not really great for anybody's body. We do naturally need sweet things. Breast milk often is, you know, human's first food is sweet. So we do need it. It's just what it's coming from and where it's coming from. There's little things like that that I support my clients on. Like, let's, if they want to get off sugar, great. If they don't, I don't force it. It has to be her choice. But my personal experience was is I used to have a lot of anxiety and negative mind chatter. That's another big piece for a lot of emotional leaders. There's a lot of shaming in the brain, a lot of negative thinking in the brain. And when I was going through my transformation, sugar was one of the things I was mentored to get off of. And it was a slow process because it's addictive, so it's not easy to get off of. It's like quitting cigarettes on some level. And once I was off, there were some places I slipped and I got back on it, you know, and I'd eat it for a couple of days or a week or something. And then my negative mind chatter had gone away. It came back. And I had to do that 
experiment, I call it, a couple of different times where I went back on refined sugar and I discovered, ooh, when I do that, this happens. And like I said, I'm not denying myself of enjoying things. I'm just choosing what the sweetener is. So that's the piece where it ties together between what you put in and food-wise for fuel and how it can affect our brains in a really big way in our health. Like you said, addictions you have to certain foods create their own triggers in the brain and impact the emotions, as well as the root causes associations that you talked about earlier that people can have with food. I love that you were able to actually see cause and effect between mental health and well-being and the foods you were eating. There have been experiments related to food and willpower. I think Harvard University did a study and it had to do with cookies. And they found that people who were under less stress could make better choices, but that if they did, in this case, they stressed people out by giving them little exercises to do. The more they had to do, the more their brain defaulted to food as comfort and they had less willpower. I can't even tell you the amount of times that women have said to me, I need my willpower back. Can you help me get my willpower back? I'm going to tell you a little story. And I'm thinking a lot of your listeners, whether they're men or women are going to be like, and if they're emotional eaters, they're going to be like, mm-hmm, yep, that's me too. You know, I'd be like, cleaning up after dinner. So I just eaten and something enters my mind from something that happened during the day that was stressful and overwhelming or something I still have to do or whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I really want to have some of those, those corn chips. No, you just ate. So then like I start doing the negotiation thing with myself. No, you just ate. You're not really hungry. Don't eat them. Okay. Just make it 30 minutes and see how you're doing. And so then I'm like, Somehow I force myself, I will power myself through the 30 minutes and then the 30 minutes end and I'm like, oh, I still really want those corn chips. Well, you want something salty. Well, why don't you have something like maybe a cucumber and put a little sea salt on it? That will give you some salt and some crunch, you know, instead of a corn chip. And I'm like, okay, I'll have, you know, cute. And so I do that. And then, you you know, about 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I really, and then I end up eating the corn chip. Can you relate to that? Right? So because I was willpowering each step along the way. And here's the thing. I don't think willpower is actually the way to go. I think willpower is not a sustainable lifestyle. I think it's a temporary band-aid that often actually doesn't really work. I always like to share the definition of willpower when I talk to people about willpower because willpower is control exerted to do something or restrain impulses. So it's not saying willpower is something that will help you change with ease. It's like restrain your impulses, exert controlled exertion. So that's not really a lifestyle way of doing things. Instead of willpower, people need to, again, get to the root causes, but also know their what and why. So that's what I call the two W's instead of willpower is your what and why. Why do you want to make this change? And what will it give you to have this change? And so this is something I dive in with my clients on my work individually and in my group program. I help them craft and get their what's and why's really clear. And we do it into a whole thing I call the awesome life vision. It's the foundation so that they can keep coming back to it instead of having to willpower it. 
I love that definition because willpower doesn't work. Like the one thing I notice, I eat when I'm tired because like if I would just go to bed, I would not eat and I would not miss it or take a nap or whatever. But because I'm tired and I'm trying to get things done, I feel the need to eat. Can you talk a little bit about why that happens? Okay, I'm glad you mentioned eating when you're tired. So that's a really huge common one. And again, it's one of those things like our modern society is like, go, go, go. So you're like working hard all day, overworking as an architect, it can stretch into your evenings, your weekends. And so what are you going to do to keep yourself going? Instead of doing this self-care, like you said, like maybe taking a short nap or going for a 10 minute walk or something to waken up your body and soothe your body in a different way, grab for the food to keep yourself going. It's like you're adding in fuel, sort of, and it's soothing in the moment, but it's not long term, right? And if you're doing it every day, then the weight comes on and then you start feeling bad about it often. I don't mean you personally, I don't know exactly what your pattern is. And that's part of the inner work that I do. It's part of how can you take care of yourself emotionally, but also there has to be some of the action self-take caring. We're just, unfortunately, our societies go, go, go. So we don't step up for ourselves. Nobody's going to. It's that self-regulation to say, oh, I'm not going to just go on this emotional roller coaster. I'm going to recognize what's going on. And then I'm going to try to find a way to nurture myself and be healthy. And I'll be like, trying to work, get stuff done, but I feel hungry and I'll get out like a jar of peanut butter in a spoon. And so the mindlessness of it too, pretty soon I've eaten you know, a third of the jar, which is a lot of peanut butter, a lot of fat, a lot of calories, a lot of sugar. And I didn't even realize how much I was eating. Moment of satiation just never came. So is that part of the problem with emotional eating is you don't feel that satiation? Yes. And it's from a couple different places. One, because we're doing something else when we're eating. Okay, we've lost a lot of taking lunch breaks or snack breaks, or, you know, a lot of families have lost nighttime a dinner time together. Breakfast is often on the go or in front of your computer if you, you know, work in a computer, right? So then when you're eating and you're doing something else, your body is not present, your mind and digestive tract's not present, you're in the stress of doing your work. And it doesn't even have to be something that you're doing that's stressful, but your body's just not present with eating the other pieces around we're on technology basically like all the time like a lot of people are so even if you're not doing work a show going on in the background while you're eating and there's something to just really being like i'm gonna take even just 15 minutes and blows down all the technology and eat 10 minutes is fast for a meal in honesty and i'm guilty i do it sometimes too i'm sometimes working and in front of my computer and doing my work so i don't want you to think like i'm all perfect because i'm certainly not but how many meals a day can i commit to like closing down my technology or you know being present while i'm eating and um, my son's in college now and he's not home i'm by myself so it's like i have to make a choice every meal because there's you know when it was dinner time it was like no that was it it's him and i we were present no phones allowed you know at the table kind of thing and it really impacts everything 
and if, so it impacts your mindlessly eating. You're not even realizing you're eating on some level. And then the same thing, driving and eating. That makes a lot of sense. Get addicted to the hit of flavor and you just keep wanting more, whether it's sweet or savory or salty. I can definitely see how it almost is, puts you in a trance <laughs> yeah. to, to be doing that. Taking the 15 minutes or longer and being present with yourself and slowing down and just connecting or being present with whoever else you're with and eating, you'll actually have more clarity and energy and calm and groundedness for the next chunk of your day. Because you gave yourself a break, your body is like, oh, I'm receiving food, I'm here. So I often suggest trying to take three deep breaths before starting to eat a meal or a snack or something because our bodies are in fight or flight almost all the time nowadays. We need to get it out of fight or flight and more into rest and relax. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. This adds another dimension to our work with stressless success. How we feel is completely connected not only to what we eat, but why we eat. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's fun. I could talk about this stuff forever. So. <laughs> but thank you. Just really pleasant, fun evening. So Paula, if people would like to learn more or work with you, how can they find you? There's a couple different ways. If you're on Facebook, I have a free group. It's called End Emotional Eating Sisterhood. And it's a wonderful community. And I'm in there all the time. I do Facebook Lives and share lots of content. So End Emotional Eating Sisterhood on Facebook. You can email me. It might take me a couple of days to get back to you because it's me for real. It's not like my assistant or anybody. It's really me, Paula at Paula Yoles. So you can look on how to spell my name, but I'll say it once out loud, but it's Paula, P-A-U-L-A-Y-O-L-L-E-S as in Sam. So Paula at PaulaYoles.com. So you can email me and we'll get connected. And also I'm on Instagram and it's my name. My handle is Paula Yoles. I'm just starting to be on LinkedIn. So, and that's my name also. I hope you are enjoying this content and I wanted to let you know that there is more and if you sign up for my Wellness for the Working World program, you can hear the entire interview with Paula. It is an entire hour and she goes into things like how getting your emotional eating can lead to more clarity and having more energy how to add self-compassion and self-care back into your life, how to feel comfortable asking for the food accommodations you need, and a really interesting thing that I think you're really going to want to hear, which is eating and relationship boundaries. If you'd like to hear the whole interview, click the link in the show notes and get into Wellness for the Working World, and you can hear the entire hour-long interview. Take care and remember everyone, reach out to Paula. I love this Facebook group. I think this is something everybody should join and definitely have a chance to learn about what's going on in her community and when she's launching classes or other kinds of opportunities. Yes, definitely. Thank right. you.
And make sure you uh, share what you learned and tag Paula on social media. I know she would appreciate that shout out as well as hearing where you found value. And remember to rate, review, and recommend this podcast to anyone you know who you think would benefit. Thank you for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. Mm-hmm.